Hey, welcome to the Saints Church Podcast. My name is Nathan, and we are just so happy to have you tuning in as we kick off a brand new sermon series called Brick by Brick. We're going to be diving into the book of Nehemiah and seeing what it looks like to be rebuilding both our church and our own lives in the image of God. Pastor Brett uh, is going to go a little bit deeper, so let's just see what he has to say. Hey, thanks for being here today. My name is Brett. I'm the senior pastor of Saints Church, and I just count it as an honor and a privilege that you take this time uh, to build your life on the timeless truths that are found in Scripture. We're actually starting a brand new collection of talks or a sermon series or, or messages, whatever language that you like. But what we're doing is we're actually turning to the Word of God, the Scriptures, and we can pull out these timeless truths, these everyday practical principles, and we can put them into work. And at the same time, we take these practical principles and we put them to work. God is speaking to us on a deeper level to our spirits and right into our hearts. And I believe today that that Jesus wants to meet you where you are, wherever that is, whatever season of life you're in, whatever phase you're in, uh, whatever's going on in the background. I believe today Jesus wants to speak directly into that situation. And when Jesus speaks, there's life and there's hope and there's peace. And I believe today there's life, there's hope, and there's peace for you. I also want to let you know that if you need to uh, talk to somebody, if you need some prayer, that you can either text or call 587-400-2010. That's right. You can text or call 587-400-2010. We would love to pray with you. We'd love to connect with you and help you take this next step forward in your journey as you move ahead in your life. I believe the best is yet to come and the best is always found with Jesus. All right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to dive right in. We're going into the book of Nehemiah, brick by brick. Come on, somebody. Brick by brick, and it's all based out of Nehemiah. So here we go. Nehemiah uh, chapter 1, starting at verse 1. We're diving into the scripture today. These are the uh, memoirs of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah, in the late autumn. In the month of Kislev, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was at the fortress of Susa. Hanani, one of my brothers, came to visit me with some other men who had just arrived from Judah. I asked them about the Jews who had returned there from captivity and about how things were going in Jerusalem. They said to me, things are not going well for those who returned to the promise, to province of Judah. They're not going well. They are in great trouble and disgrace. The walls of Jerusalem have been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. Verse four, and when I heard this, this is Nehemiah speaking. This is personal. This is one-on-one. This is Nehemiah speaking. When I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. Now, you might be wondering, why would somebody be weeping or, or crying over a city? I mean, I understand Oilers fans, we weep and we cry over an early playoff exit being swept by Winnipeg. But I, 
you might be like, why, like, why this? Sometimes we read the scripture and we don't have all of the context. Well, the Jews were in exile. This whole nation, the nation of Israel, was living under an oppressive government. They, they, many of them were taken out of their, their, their uh, cities and their fields and their property. They were taken to a whole new country, to a whole new place. Nehemiah is actually now serving that king, King Artaxerxes. And uh, super hard to say when you read it. Uh, and he's serving him, and he's serving him in the role as a cupbearer. So he literally, uh, this is crazy, he would literally, before he would bring a beverage to the king, he would just take a sip to see whether it was poison, so he would die instead of the king dying. So you could say it's a really close, a really intimate position where you're like, you're, you're, someone is placing their life in your hands, and I guess really you're placing your life in their hands. And so there's Nehemiah, and he's hearing the reports. What's happened was a whole bunch of his people were able to go back. The Israelites were about to go back, and they moved home. They moved to Jerusalem. And when they got there, things were not going well. Things were not going according to plan. This was the promised land. This is what God gave them. This was their place, their city. It had so many historic connections. This is the city of David. This is uh, where God's presence was uh, when they brought the Ark of the Covenant. This, this is a special, special place, a special place in the hearts of every Jewish believer. And this group had moved back, a remnant that God had preserved to rebuild. And it wasn't going well. The walls of the city were ripped down, tore down. They were, they were, the, they were the joke. They were a national punchline of all of the uh, other enemies that were in the region. Everyone would make jokes about, look at these, these fools coming to try and rebuild this thing, trying to fix these things. It says they were in disgrace. They were in disgrace. The walls were, were, were ravaged by fire and they were torn down. It was, it was embarrassing, but this was, this was a jewel. This, this represented so much. This was a hope of a promise fulfilled that God said, listen, that if you would turn from your wicked ways and you would turn back from me, if you would repent and you would come to me, then, then you will go back and you will find your home right where I promised it to you. So not only is Nehemiah here weeping over the state of a city, but he's weeping over broken promises. He's weeping over the loss of a future. And he's stuck, you know, serving at this, this incredibly privileged position, and yet he's full of brokenness. Verse 4, when I heard this, I sat down and wept for days. I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. I think what stands out to me here, and if you're taking notes, this is a great time to get out a pen, paper, get out your phone, get out Evernote, whatever app you use to write some things down, is that in this moment right here, Nehemiah, normal guy, normal dude with an important job, you know, his, the best equivalency that we could have today is that he was a, he's a bureaucrat. This normal guy with a normal job in a normal place is broken, and he's broken because he wants to see God restore. He wants to see God 
rebuild. He wants to see this beautiful city rebuilt. He wants to see his people thrive. His heart was broken for a nation. Now, here's what we can pull out of this right now. Uh, When we look at uh, different uh, scenarios or different seasons, the the, the moment and the season that we're in right now, I I would say that it's, it's we're in rebuild mode. We look at our church, we're in rebuild mode. Who's here? Who's not here? Who's coming back? Who's walked away altogether from their faith? Who's going through a hard time? Who's suffering silently? And to be honest, when I think about it, it's, 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 it's staggering and it's overwhelming as you're trying to wrestle with what's going on? Where are, where are people at? We have so much brokenness that I could... You could almost say that there's so much brokenness in our society that the walls are burnt and they're decrepit and they've all fallen down, that we're in shambles, that we've got a society that's in shambles. You might even say, looking into your own life, looking at your own family, your own situation, listen, things that were once strong are now crumbling. Things are getting shaky. Things that I, I maybe even took for granted. My friends, this is rebuild mode. We're in rebuild mode. This season, the word for this season is rebuild. Jesus wants to lead you one step at a time to rebuild, to rebuild your family on a firm foundation, to rebuild your priority system on a firm foundation, and that is the word of God. This is time for us to rebuild our church, to rebuild our church on a firm foundation, to to make the main thing the main thing, to put our eyes on Jesus and say, you know what? We want to be the church that you want us to be. We let go of of our ideas or our misconceptions conceptions or our thoughts of what it should be and we lean into what it could be as we step with you into this next season. What does Nehemiah do? He takes it personally. He takes it personally. My heart is broken for you and your family right now. My heart is broken that you're walking through this pain, that your marriage is crumbling. My heart is broken that you don't feel like you could take a step forward, that you could reach out, that you could talk to somebody because you're afraid of the optics. My heart is broken, but I want you to know today that you are not forgotten. You are not forgotten. So I take it personally. I take it personally. I take it personally, and I go to the Lord with it. That's what Nehemiah does. First thing he does is he takes it personally. He goes, what can I do about this? I want you to know I'm praying for you. I believe in you. And I believe the best is yet to come. We take it personally, the state of the church. I take it personally. I take it personally, meaning I take the weight. I feel the responsibility. And then what do I do with that weight? I do what Nehemiah does. When I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days, I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. First thing I do, I take it personally. Second thing I do, I take it to the Lord. Come on, you were not made to carry this weight. Jesus says, my yoke 
is easy. My burden is light. My burden is light when I give my, my load and my heaviness to Jesus. You were not made to carry this. You were made to bring it to Jesus. I take it personally in the fact that I take responsibility and say, I, I want to be a part of what happens next. But I don't take on the baggage of it. I don't take on the, like, I don't take on other people's offense. I don't take on other people's pain. I don't, I don't think that I could be a savior in somebody else's marriage. I take those situations and I say, I can be a part of the solution, but me being a part of the solution first is me taking it to the Lord. Now, here's what's amazing. Why does Nehemiah take it to the Lord? Well, in, in the Old Testament, particularly in the Jewish culture at this time, uh, names carried such a serious and heavy significance. So when you name somebody, that every time their name was said, it was actually a declaration about their life. So Nehemiah, his name means Yahweh comforts, or in our words or language, the Lord comforts. So think about that. Every time someone says, Nehemiah, 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 he's hearing the Lord comforts, the Lord comforts, the Lord comforts. So it's no surprise that when he is distraught and he is wrecked on the inside emotionally, and he is a broken man feeling so helpless that he goes to his place of comfort. Come on, Psalm 46 verse 1 says, God is our refuge. It says, not only is God our refuge, he is our refuge and strength. He's always ready to help in times of trouble. The question is, am I ready to ask for his help in times of trouble? Come on, let's keep going. I hope you're still with me. If you're with me, say, I'm with you. Come on. Then I said, this is verse five. O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of unfailing love with those who love him and obey his commands. These are, this is Nehemiah's prayer. Listen to my prayer. Have you ever said that to God? Oh God, I praise you. I worship you. You are the one. Listen to my prayer. <laughs> listen. I need you to listen. Look down and see me praying night and day for your people, Israel. I confessed. I confess, we have sinned against you. Yes, even my own family and I have sinned. We have sinned terribly by not obeying the commands, decrees, and regulations that you gave us through your servant Moses. So he takes it to the Lord. He takes it personally. I want to be a part of the solution. What can I do? What can I do? then he takes it to the Lord, who is his solution. And in that place of brokenness, he stumbles across a place of self-awareness. God, if I'm going to be a part of the solution, then I have to admit to my part of the problem. He says, I confess we've sinned against you. I've done it my own way. I went in my own direction. I did it how I wanted to do it, not how you wanted to do it. I made my own choices that were best for me that didn't reflect you or your heart. In this season of rebuilding, <laughs> repentance is important. Today is a moment of repentance. To repent means to turn away from. 
Second Chronicles seven fourteen says, "If my people who are called by my name." would seek my face and pray and turn from their wicked ways, then I will come and I will heal their land. Church, those words, they ring true through the generations. If my people who are called by my name, I'm called by his name. I'm a Christian. Christ is in my name. It's in my identity. I would turn towards him, turn away from my wicked ways. I've made some mistakes. Peter in the New Testament, Acts 2, when the Holy Spirit's being poured out, they go, what what do we have to do? Like, Like, what do we have to do to get what you have to experience this hope, this life, this joy? He says, each of you must repent. This is Acts 2.38. Each of you must repent. And turn to God, be baptized, then you'll receive the Holy Spirit. Then you'll receive the Comforter. Imagine that, that the Lord is the Comforter, he is Nehemiah's name. But in the New Testament, we discover that the Holy Spirit is the Comforter. So what do you need when you're in a season of discomfort? You need the Comforter. You need more of God in your life. The Holy Spirit wants to come and fill you and fill this situation. If you have not yet received the Holy Spirit, and the pouring out of the Holy Spirit upon your life, the filling of the Holy Spirit, then, then we want to pray for you today because I believe Jesus wants to meet you where you are through the power of the Holy Spirit. But this idea, let's just, just, just camp right here for a moment that we need to repent. Listen, this situation, this season that we're in as a church and as a society, this, this season that we're in is full of personal responsibility and we each have a part to play in that my heart is broken when I think about the division of following public health orders or not following public health orders or masks or no masks or vaccinations or no vaccinations and my heart is broken that no matter what our ideology is that it feels like at times we put our ideology before Jesus that we put our ideology before our Savior, that our ideology has become our Savior instead of Jesus. The truth is, with or without a vaccine, with or without a mask, Jesus is Lord, and he's going to lead us and guide us through this situation. He didn't deploy this situation, but he's going to use it for his benefit, for his glory. He's going to say, watch what I can do. I need to remind you that lives are still being transformed, that the, the people are still having their their. Their whole lives changed because of Jesus. And the question is, what part do I have to play? What do I have to own as I turn my eyes towards Jesus in a way? I, listen, even as a church, if this year's been crazy. This last 18 months has been crazy and I'm not afraid to admit that I'm a different person now than I was when all of this started. And as we started this journey of becoming Saints Church, that I made some mistakes. That things didn't all go right. If I knew now what I knew then, So it's my responsibility to go to the Lord and say, Lord, would 
I surrender this to you. Would you help lead me forward so we can rebuild in the way that you want us to rebuild? And maybe in your own life, maybe in your marriage or your relationship with your kids or friends, maybe there's a division in your friend group that you think is irreconcilable. I wonder what might happen if you would take it personally and then you would take it to the Lord and you would repent. Say, you know, I have a part to play in this, but you give it to the Lord. And, you know, on the other side, we need to be people who forgive, people who are willing to forgive, because people make mistakes. In fact, you know, human beings are so classic. We want, we want everyone to give us so much grace, but when it's time for us to extend grace, we're a little cheap with it. We're generous when we receive it, and we're cheap when we give it out. Think about repentance in this way. When I'm looking and dealing with the things in my past, I repent. But it's a two-sided coin. When I'm looking into my future, it's surrender. God, today, I surrender. I think this is what Jesus was talking about when he says, take up your cross daily. Die to yourself daily. Jesus, I surrender to your plan, to your direction, to your purpose, to what you want to do. His next verses 8 and 9 speaks of the promise of God. That He's reminding God. He's reminding God of his promise. And you know what? That's, that's, that's a lesson for us. How many times when you're trying to pray, you don't have the words? What if we went back to the scriptures and we found the promises of God? I think there's something significant that can be unlocked in your life. If, if you understood the promises that God had for you in his word and you started proclaiming them and praying them over your circumstance, God, your word says so. Your word says by your stripes I'm healed so. My soul is healed. My body is healed. My mind is healed. We go back to the word and we say, God, these are the promises that you have for me. And we step into that. We step into what he has for us. What can we learn from Nehemiah when he tells takes it personally and he takes it to the Lord is that he builds his prayer life around what the word already says. He says, God, your kingdom come, your will be done. And he's aligning his heart with God's heart in the situation. Verse 11, O Lord, please hear my prayer. Listen to the prayers of those of us who delight in honoring you. And then listen to this. Please grant me success today by making the king favorable to me Put it into his heart to be kind to me, because in those days, I was the king's cupbearer. So we're getting a glimpse into Nehemiah's personal prayer. So this is what he's done. He hears this report. He takes it personally. And his broken heart, he takes it to the Lord for comfort. He takes it to the Lord in prayer. But then what does he do? He takes it on. And he prays, God, give me, essentially, give me favor. Give me, make me successful. Now, the Persian kings were kind of famous for, for, for flying off the handle. If you want more context in the Bible, it's great to read Ezra. It's also great to read Esther. Ezra and Nehemiah used to be actually called Ezra 1 and 2 because they're, they're interwoven. And Esther gives us a great 
insight as well as Daniel into the mentality of these kings. And did you know that Persian kings actually felt that their presence should make people happy? So if, if you weren't happy in a king's presence, uh, he didn't want anything to do with you. In fact, in Esther 2, 6, I believe, uh, the king would only go as far as a certain place in his palace because he, no one was allowed to be mourning or sad in his presence. And layer into that, that if, if you went into his presence without being asked, and if he didn't want you there, he could have you killed on the spot. So Nehemiah had a reason to be there. He's the cupbearer. <laughs> but he's going in, and he's about to take a risk. He's about to wear his heart on his sleeve. He's about to say, listen, this is, this is what I need from you. This is what God is stirring. Can I tell you that when God calls you, it's not often comfortable. We mistake comfort and calling all the time. Listen, I just want to suggest to you that you're more likely to be in an uncomfortable place when you're living called than you are, if you're, than you are, when you're uh, than you are to be comfortable. I love uh, Dr. Warren Wearsby commentary says this, when God wants to accomplish a work, he always prepares his workers and puts them in the right places at the right time. He puts you where you are for this moment. Early the following spring, this is Nehemiah 2 verse 1. In the month of Nisan, during the twelfth, uh, sorry, the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was serving the king his wine. I had never before appeared sad in his presence. So the king asked me, why are you looking so sad? You don't look sick to me. You must be deeply troubled. Then I was terrified when he clued in. But I replied, long live the king. How can I not be sad? He just pours out his heart. For the city where my ancestors are buried is in ruins and the gates have been destroyed by fire. So the king asked, well, how can I help? How can I help? That moment when that thing you've been praying for comes to pass. Through the uncomfortable into the promise. <laughs> Through the uncomfortable into the promise. I just want to make note of this. In Nehemiah 1, it was in the late autumn or late fall that Nehemiah got this bad news. When he went to meet the king, it was early the following spring, the next spring. Months had passed. If I had to just put one asterisk beside it, I would say timing is everything. When you're following Jesus and you're putting things back together and you need to take that big, bold step of faith. Timing is everything. There's your timing, but then there's God's timing. And our job is just to be patient, to listen, to be responsive. And then when it's time to go, it's time to go. But when it's time to slow, you got to slow. I got to tell you, I'm, I'm an impatient person. And so I just like, I'm, I'm working on it. Fruits of Spirit, Holy Spirit's at work in me trying to smooth that out. But we have to understand that God has a timing. and He's got a timing for this season for you. I love this. In Psalm 127, it says, Unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. We're in a brand new season, and brick by brick, Jesus wants to rebuild his church. Brick by brick, Jesus wants to rebuild your life. And brick by brick, he's building us on his foundation.
Here's three thoughts for us. Number one, will you take it personally? Whatever area it is, the, the breakdowns, the relationship struggles, the, the, the brokenness, the, the seemingly just lack of existence or people just floating off and losing faith, will you take it personally? Second thing is, will you take it to the Lord? Will you take it to the Lord? Would you commit to pray? And three, will you take it on? Will you take it on? The best is yet to come. Brick by brick, the Lord is building his church. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to the Saints Church Podcast. We're going to be continuing the series next week, so be sure to tune in, and we hope to see you there. You have a great week.